Rockstar Energy Punch, bringing a bold and unapologetic flavor packed with energy through a blend of B vitamins, guarana extract, and 240 milligrams of caffeine to fuel what's next. Rockstar Energy Drink. And welcome to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, Christmas for me indeed came early this year. And why? Because I got a great gift being able to talk to Pastor Philip DeCourcy more than once a year. I normally chat with him once a year about the unrest in America, but I want to do something a lot more lighthearted. He was available. I got him on the show. So here we are. And before we get into the topic of the day, Pastor Philip, how are you, my friend? Hopefully your well, Thanksgiving well. was well. It is so good to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to be on the show with you. Always enjoy it. And uh, the double dips, that's always fun. And uh, we can, you know, a little bit of iron sharpening iron. And uh, if the uh, audience can overhear our conversation and benefit from it, then everybody wins. Everybody wins. That's what we're here for. You can hear his teaching ministry, Know the Truth, by the way, here on K-Praise, Monday through Friday. It's a great program, 30 to 7 a.m. Check it out at kprz.com. And this current series, Without Apology, we'll talk about a little bit later. But as I said, right now, taking a break from the American Unrest series to do something a little bit more uplifting, especially headed into the holidays. And I got to say, Pastor Philip, there's a true lack of leadership in this country. I think that's kind of the main issue right now on about every level, especially on the spiritual level, I think the country needs to take it up a notch. And without complaining too much, that is what the Entrust Men's Leadership Conference was made to do. And I know that just took place. It finished up. We got some great feedback that is filling that crucial gap for training and encouraging leaders in local churches. Because with that training, they can effectively teach others the word of God that they have been given by God himself and that is tremendously important with what we're going through right now. Absolutely. Um, our interest conference, Noah, is just a spinoff from our reading ministry. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm a leader in a church here in Anaheim Hills in California. And so, you know, um, I have a passion for leadership uh, in my own life and a, and a passion to help leaders. Because everything rises and falls in leadership, you can uh, just hinted at that, whether it's um, the family, whether it's organizations, businesses, um, whether it's our country and politics and certainly within the church. Uh, a family, an organization, a church will never rise above the level of its leadership, and we want uh, leaders of character and competency. And so we, we just decided, I think this is our seventh conference. We have it in November, and we just try and focus on something that will be an encouragement so leaders, this year we had um, some 350 men, um, from uh, elders to deacons to young men who are for, uh, aspiring to ministry or in seminary. And, you know, we want to minister to ministers. I think sometimes we forget, you know, there's that verse in the Gospels that the, when the woman, you know, touched the, uh, Jesus, it, it says in the old King James, virtue went out of him, strength went out of him. And I think we forget that, you know, our leaders need to be ministered to. We need to minister to the ministers. They need, you know, their tank uh, refilled because they're always giving out. In fact, that was our theme uh, this year. No, we th- we took the theme of vitality. How does a pastor sustain and maintain his vitality? 
And, uh, you know, I was joined by Dr. H.B. Charles, a wonderful um, pastor from Jacksonville, Florida, who speaks, speaks at the Shepherds Conference here in L.A. each year, and uh, myself. And I, I took my theme from Nehemiah 4 uh, to encourage the pastors. Because, look, if you'll indulge me for a minute, I want to remind our listeners to, to, to you know, think about their leaders and all that they face. Uh, sometimes I think we overlook that. Uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to esteem our leaders and those who are over us. It tells us to pray for them and encourage them. I mean, think about a, a pastor. He deals with his own sense of inadequacy. Um, he's dealing with um, uh, um, an enemy uh, that's uh, unseen and the enemy of his soul. Um, his work is always in flux. He's not like a carpenter or a plumber who goes back to the building site the next morning and finds it as he left it. Well, you know, Christians out, often out there, they talk about spiritual warfare and dealing with the enemy. Imagine what these strong pastors go through and how much under attack they are from just these unseen forces and, and the devil. I mean, I can't even imagine what, what some of these pastors go, go through. And that brings about what you just talked about, the discouragement that they must feel right now with what's going on in this country. And so to minister to them, to prop them up, that is so crucial. Yeah, I mean, look. We're all under attack. But it, it, there's a statement, isn't it, that the tallest tree draws the lightning strike? Mm. Um, and I think strategic leaders, especially those who have preached the word of God, who are valiant and unashamed and a voice both in their church and in their community, they're just going to, you know, they're, they're, you, you might as well paint the big axe on their back because yeah. they're, they're a target for the enemy. And, and so they've got their own sense of inadequacy. They've got this ceaseless work they're getting drawn in all kinds of directions and above all they have they have an enemy you know who who attacks them as he as he did christ and then he might leave them but in the case of christ there in luke's gospel satan left jesus for a season and and so we're always under attack and so i dealt with nehemiah 4 to encourage leaders when you go to that passage noah you know, they're, they're about halfway through their project of rebuilding the wall. There are several factors that led into their discouragement. And whether you're a pastor or, or a leader or not, I think these, these factors are, are true. If you go to Nehemiah 4, verse 10, they were tired. Um, they were physically exhausted. They'd been working around the clock. Uh, you know, that old statement, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Mm. And so we need to, be, we need to watch you know, uh, our physical health. For They were fatigued. They were frustrated. Um, it says that, you know, the wall was half built and, and there was much rubbish. And, you know, they were in the middle of the project. If something, some stuff had been accomplished, but there was still so much left undone. And that's, that's like life, you know. So much we've still left to do in building a good marriage. So much we've still left to do in raising a family. So much we've left to do in, 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 you know, bringing a church to maturity, and they got frustrated with that. And then you had feeble-mindedness, finally, where they say, we can't. And, and um, as I thought about that, too, Noah, I'll just, you know, slot this in. If you study the book of Nehemiah, I find this fascinating, uh, of how different people talked about the work of God. And given where our culture's at, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to listen to the enemy. In fact, 
That's what's happening in Nehemiah 4. The, the Jews who lived outside the city and lived nearest the enemy, they were the ones that kept coming into the city and spooking everybody else. They're coming, they're coming. And, 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 and so I thought about the different voices in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, you know, let, let, run with me on this. If you think about the enemies of God, Sanballat and Tobiah, who were trying to discourage Nehemiah, they said you won't. We're not going to let you. We're going to cancel you. We're going to get in your way. We're going to frustrate you. And the people of God made a mistake. They listened to their enemies rather than listening to God. And so the enemies of God said, you, can't, you, 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 you won't. And then the people of God said, we can't. They, they got feeble-minded. They lost sight of, of, of God's promises and God's power. But Nehemiah had to remind them. In fact, in Nehemiah 4, we read a, a verse that says, remember the Lord who's awesome. And Nehemiah says, God will. And I just love that little outline. I hope that encourages you. hope that encourages anyone listening today who are in the trenches. When, when life seems to be piling up where it seems like it's hard to really get somewhere and make some progress, don't listen to the enemy who says you won't. And, and don't say to yourself you can't. Remind yourself God will. Isn't I'm glad good? you brought that up a bit because even myself, who I, I work in, obviously, media here at K-Praise, also sister station, The Answer San Diego, where I deal with a lot of the news topics of the day. And it really has become a culture that is based in fear. At least that's the way the mainstream media would like to project it. And back in Nehemiah, you were just talking about the same thing. And so we have to make sure that we're not listening to those voices that will want to project that fear and discourage us and instead find ourselves in a good church, find ourselves in the Word of God to build ourselves up and to strengthen our families. I think that's the best way to go, Pastor. Yeah, I mean, look, that's what they, that was the mistake they made. If, if your listeners will read Nehemiah 4 later on today, they, they listen, they take counsel from their fears because they've been listening to the enemy who has jammed up their fears. And, and, and um, look, fear's real. In fact, I think sometimes we forget, no, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is the management of fear. Look, I, I was a police officer in Northern Ireland in the 80s during the troubles there. As a police officer, I was more likely to be killed off duty than on duty. The, the threat was real. And, and, and the fears weren't, un, uh, weren't unimagined. Uh, they were real. But I had, I had to not take counsel from my fears. I had to manage my fears. I had to act courageously and say, you know what? You know, uh, um, my days have been written down in God's book. Um, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. Um, the Lord is my shield and, and my sword. Um, no, no weapon formed against me, you know, will do me harm unless, unless God wills it. I reminded myself of these great truths that God's with me, and I have the comfort of His Spirit and the promise of, of, of you know, His presence. And, and then even at the thought of death, should I have lost my life? I was one. You probably very easily could have, I imagine. Absolutely, I lost friends. I've got a, I've got a poster in my church office at Kindred um, uh, that has the pictures of 360 police officers, several of them my friends who were killed. But So it could have happened, and in God's grace it didn't. But, but I had to not take counsel from my fears, which were real. I had to manage them with biblical truth, a sense of God's sovereignty. And, and I had to be at peace 
that, you know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The worst thing the IRA could have done to me was dispatched me off to heaven. My mother would have cried and my wife would have cried, and I understand that. But, but in a real sense, when you think about it ultimately, nothing can really harm us. <laughs> you know, uh, the worst thing that can happen to us uh, ter- turns into the best thing that can happen to us because it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. So, yeah, fear is stalking the church. It's stalking our country. Some of those fears are real. We shouldn't discount what's going on. We should fight back where that's possible. But we can't live in fear. And that's, what, that's what's kind of bothering me a little. There's a lot of, you know, um, crying wolf. There's a lot of, you know, the sky is falling and a kind of chicken little spirit. That is unbecoming of the church. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great Reformed teacher in, in, in London, Welshman, I love his quote, and I'll finish with this. Um, he, he described faith as a refusal to panic. That's one of the best definitions I've ever come across about faith or trust or confidence in God. It's a refusal to panic. So, Noah, let's, let's as Christians, regardless of what's going on, let's, let's refuse to panic. And that's what Nehemiah reminded um, the people of Jerusalem. Remember the Lord, awesome and powerful. He will fight for us. Noah here on Across the County. Pastor Philip DeCourcy, Senior Pastor Philip DeCourcy, my guest of Know the Truth, Kindred Community Church. Go to ktt.org, more about the teaching ministry there. And here, Know the Truth, 6.30 to 7 a.m., Monday through Friday here on K-Praise. If you want to find out more about the Entrust Men's Leadership Conference, a tremendous conference happened this past November. It'll take place again next November. Been going strong since about 2015. Head to EntrustLeadershipConference.org. And there you can actually view the conference from this year, learn so much about staying fresh and so much about not living in fear and being courageous in these difficult times. Any feedback so far? I know it's only been a month Pastor, about a month since the conference wrapped up that you've had from some of the people that attended and what amazing things they learned there before we move on to the next topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, certainly the guys are within my reach. We've certainly received some emails and encouragement from pastors all around Orange County and, and further afield. The, the, the men in, in our church who were there, some of our leaders, they, they were just encouraged and they were reminded, you know, of, of that great quote by George Whitfield. Um, who said, we get tired in the work, but never off the work. And uh, they were reminded to, you know, not be weary in well-doing. You know, we've got to persevere, Noah, and we've got to live in the vitality of the filling of the Holy Spirit and the strength that God can supply to us, because our enemy is working around the clock. And our enemies are united against righteousness and, 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 and what is good and what is wholesome and what is holy. And we have so to I stay united. Guys were just encouraged to be courageous. Put the, as Jesus said to his disciples, put your hand on the plow and don't turn back. Exactly. Yeah, you, ha- you have to make sure that we are engaged in our churches, in our communities, in our society. You can't just bury your head in the sand and hopefully it's all going to get better. That's not what God would call us to do. Yeah, and you've just got to, you know, even at times if you don't see a lot of fruitfulness, um, you can't walk away from faithfulness. These are difficult times. They are discouraging times. Um, 
doing church in America seems a little harder than it's ever been. But you know what? Let's be faithful at, at the baseline and continue to pray and seek God's favor and, and, and fruitfulness um, as this unfolds. I mean, we had a couple of young pastors in, in small churches solo pastors who are wearing a lot of hats, who came that day to scurry, some on the, uh, certainly in the midst of discouragement, on the verge of resignation, and I think, you know, they, they went away. I, 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 there's a great story, if I can fit this in. It, Please it's do. An old, yeah, an old Southern Baptist preacher. This, this is a word, especially with a pastor or a Christian leader that might be listening, and, and the work is hard, and the fruit is meager, and people are complaining, and the Cultures getting further and further away from its our, our Judeo-Christian roots. Um, Van Tappner was an old Southern Baptist evangelist who, who said, when it comes to discouragement, there's there's three things you can do. One, you can resign, which is just you know write your letter and and, and you know hightail it out of town. Number two, you can become resigned, which is interesting. Not to resign, but some pastors have become resigned. They've kind of lost their mojo. They have they have kind of settled into mediocrity, and that's no place either for a minister of the gospel. So he says, look, you can resign, or you can stay on the job but become resigned, or you can get re-signed by God. And, and I hope that, and I believe that some young men and others that came to our conference, um, they, they, they left with the desire for God to re sign them up for another tour, another round of hard ministry, but, but God would give them his sufficient grace, that, that God would refresh them. As they wait on the Lord, he'll renew their strength, and they'll mount up with wings like eagles. So if a pastor or someone in the Lord's work today is listening, don't resign, don't become resigned in the work. Let the Lord resign you and use you in a fresh way. And you can check out the conference from this last year in TrustLeadershipConference.org and TrustLeadershipConference.org. Re-sign up. And the God that is so good signs you up for a mission to take other people along to the kingdom before this life ends. And he does not want you to give up. He wants you to go every step of the way. Pastor Philip, now I know we're thinking about the the Christmas season just ahead of us, and I normally don't get there until about December 1st, though thank goodness that it's the the 9th of December as we record this, because I like to let Thanksgiving breathe and digest the turkey, all that kind of good stuff. But what kind of great messages and outreaches are you guys doing over at Kindred Community Church and at Know the Truth uh, locally here in the community that can really show people what the season's all about? Hey man, and hey, let's. It, we're, it's never wrong to get get the Christmas a little early, you know. I, I love the church. Cal- <laughs> I love the church calendar, but you know, I remind our people: it's Easter every Lord's Day, it's Christmas every day. You know, Christ is risen, and and the Lord is with us. But yeah, we're we're busy right now. We've just um, uh, put two concerts behind us with Keith and Kristen Getty. Uh, my Irish friends who are just wonderful servants of God. We had uh, two concerts, um, uh, and uh, we put some 1,400 people through our property and to sell out concerts. That was a blast. Just a, you know, Christmas is marked by singing. You know, the first coming of Christ was marked by song. And so for us, those concerts kind of fulfilled that need to, 
Hey, just celebrate the fact that God has sent his son into the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then um, we're actually just wrapping up two nights with our, our ladies um, who, who uh, have a, a wonderful Christmas event, and we have over 600 women to that. Oh, beautiful. One of our past, yeah, one of our pastor's wives told her life story. Um, you know, uh, of, of abuse and, and uh, you know, discouragement and a, a lot of stuff she went through, but Christ got a hold of her and changed her. And I love that aspect of what we did in that, Noah, where, you know, history is his story. Um, the story of history is the coming of Jesus, the fact that he has come and that he's coming mm-hmm. again. But his story is meant to interact with our story. Christ came to change stories. And I love that, too, because when we share our stories, as you were just talking about the, the lady that did, it can have such an impact on the walk of others with Christ. Absolutely. I think some of our women were surprised that this is a pastor's wife. And I learned some things about uh, our, our pastor's wife, uh, Tara Miller, that, you know, just the, the background she'd gone through, she'd faced some physical and sexual assaults. She, she got through all of that. Christ got a hold of her, and now she's just a, a true servant of Christ and a biblical counselor uh, in, our, in our counseling ministry. And I think that was it. People heard how Christ's story uh, is about changing people's story. And that would be the other thing. We've had these big events, and we're going to have two services on Christmas Eve and one on Christmas Day. But the other thing is just to remind our uh, listeners uh, our, and, and our people that, you know what, just look for those opportunities. I think around this time uh, that people are just a little bit more sensitive. They know we're in a, a, a kind of holiday, holy day season, and it gives us opportunities uh, when we're in Starbucks or somewhere else, when the word Christmas comes up or something is being talked about, we need to insert those gospel conversations and, and try and remind people that, you know, I was thinking about this, thinking about the contrast of our, our, our day on and, and Christmas. Um, you know, today's a day of ill will among people, a lot of conflict, a lot, a lot of anger among people, but yet God announced goodwill toward man. Ours is a day of conflict and war. Think about Ukraine and Russia, and yet Jesus came uh, announcing, uh, the Prince of Peace came announcing peace with God and someday peace on earth. Um, and we have you know, lots of, like you said, of opportunity on a daily basis, you know, whether it's going to Starbucks, which a lot of us do, I do several times a week, or yeah. any other interactions. There's so many opportunities for us to share the gospel. Well, think about loneliness is marks today's culture, and we can tell people God is with us. So try, and when you encounter someone, just look for that 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 inroad to bring hope and peace and 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 and, and the joy of knowing God through through His Son. So uh, we're loving it, gearing up for uh, a big Christmas weekend. And um, and yet, as you said, you said once we get by it, hey, you know, we're not going to forget Christmas. We live in the good of the fact that. God is with us each and every day. In the midst of life, uh, we can find God because God has entered life and and intersected with history in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah, we should be keeping that in our heart, 365, Pastor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when, when John Wesley died, Christmas came to mind in the sense that his last words were, best of all, God is with us. And so, so the Christmas message isn't seasonal. It's perennial that, that God is with us 
even when we're when we are apart from him, he's watching over us until we get saved. Then we get saved, and he's with us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Um, when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us. When we're in the thick of life, he's with us. Best of all, God is with us. My wife is from Scotland, and if you read the story of the Scottish Covenanters who were persecuted by the English crown, and they wouldn't recognize the, the, the king of England as the head of the church, which was right on their part. When they ran into the mists of the Scottish hillside, they used to say to each other, where there is two of us, there is three of us. Where there is three of us, there is four of us. Where there is four of us, there is five of us. They were living Christmas each and every day, the fact that God will never leave us or forsake us. So as we by the new year, kind of leave Christmas behind as a season. The theology of it, the truth of it, no, we must never leave behind because it's something that shapes and blesses our everyday experience. Amen? Amen. Amen to that. And and the pitch, Pastor, uh, one of the... I always have to hit you with a question that gets some deep thinking going on here on Across the County. I just, I, I can't help myself, and you have such a great godly mind and you have no problem with any of these questions whether it's current events and we're going to stay on christmas because you used to hear more of and but you still do today that jesus was not born on december 25th and and so we shouldn't even be celebrating this holiday and some say that the documents point to his birth in march and others are no the historical references point towards the middle of june so my question pastor philip if these so-called findings are true and christ wasn't born on December 25th. A, should we not celebrate on the 25th of December? And B, accurate or not, do those historical findings even matter when it's really all about the symbolism of celebrating the birth of Jesus? That's right. No, no, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll leave better minds in mind to argue as to the, the dating. And the Bible's not specific. Um, uh, in a sense, we have, we have certainly some historical and seasonal markers that, that might um, help us with that. But look, you know, um, you could make an issue with, with the, the, the Christmas celebration uh, at all, because it was kind of um, the taking of a pagan, uh, you know, festival and Christianizing it. Um, and, and, you know, but, but, you know, we have come to embrace that because it's, it's you know, whether the date's exact, whether the, the origin is pure, um, it has it, it, its symbolism is pure, and it, its its implication is everlasting. Mm. Uh, it's reminding us that one day in history changed every day in history, whatever that day was. I mean, whatever day it was, we know historically and factually that Jesus came within history. Um, you know, under Augustus Caesar, we 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 have historical markers that let us know this is an historic event. It's not an it's not a myth. It's not an invention. Of, of 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 an overactive Christian mind, and and that's the main point. I you know I could quibble with some of the history of Christmas. Spurgeon and some great um, evangelical leaders weren't big fans of it. But you know what? It it has become something uh, within Western life that I think God has used for good, and and the symbolism of it of peace and hope. The symbolism of, of of a better world, the symbolism of of of, of God um, loving us despite our rebellion and lawlessness towards Him. That's gold. That that's 
that's perennial, that's everlasting. And personally, I, I, I love the season. I love what it symbolizes. As, I mean, as do I. I think even, I think even unbelievers and, and people in secular society appreciate that. Um, and, and, you know, um, so we'll let, we'll let the finer minds and the historians, you know, quibble o- o- over the, the date. But I'm fine with the season, I'm fine with the fact that this junction within the year, we remember that in a particular year, on a particular day, the word that made everything was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Christmas is not some innocuous holiday. No, and it's Christmas also something is, you carry in your heart. No, it's, and it's Earth D-Day. It's, it's Earth D-Day. We all remember June the 6th and, and the Allied forces making a beachhead on France and advancing against the forces of darkness in Nazi Germany. That's what Easter is. Or that's what, that's what uh, Christmas is. It's Earth D-Day, and, and Easter is Earth B-E Day, when, when victory was declared over death and hell and the grave. So, you know, these great kind of dates are, are times within the Christian calendar. Uh, I have come to embrace them. Um, I'm not going to make, you know, uh, an argument over uh, the the exactness of of the Christmas day, but I'm I'm going to embrace the fact that it's good for us as the church and it's good for us as a society to st- celebrate these great movements of God's work within history. And and you know what um, we 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 should uh, you know desire the continuance of this holiday, which was started out as a holy day, and remind our neighbors. And, and remind uh, our, our country that, you know what, um, the benefits and, and the hope and, and the, the expectation that it brings is something that our culture is in desperate need of, where there's hopelessness and loneliness and a sense that life has got no purpose, that we're some blue marble spinning in the darkness of, of a meaningless universe, and that's not true. God loves the world that he created, and even though that world has rebelled against him, he still loves us. us. He has sent his son to die in our place and bear our sin. Because remember this as we kind of close out, Noah. Um, Christmas is about Easter. The wood of the, the wood of the cradle, you know, formed a cross. In that sense, Christ was born to die. And people need to remember that that babe in, in, in swaddling clothes and in a manger is no longer a babe. He grew up to be a man. He declared himself to be God. He died on a cross and bore our sin. He conquered the grave. He's ascended to the right hand of God. We need to update our image of Jesus. He's now Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and every knee needs to bow just like the kings of the East did. Amen to that. And just remember, we start with Christmas, we end with Easter, but it doesn't really end there because that is through the blood of Christ where we can spend eternity with God. And that is an amazing thing. I want you to check out Know the Truth with Pastor Philip DeCourcy right here on K-Praise, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7 a.m., ktt.org. Find out more about the Entrust Leadership Conference if you want to view this last year's conference, entrustleadershipconference.org. And Pastor Philip, in 60 seconds before we go, I know you have a current series, which I want to let our listeners know about, called Without Apology. What is this all about? Yeah, Without Apology is self-explanatory. It's a, it's a series on Second Timothy, where the word ashamed um, comes up several times. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 1, verse 8, Do not be ashamed of me, Christ's prisoner, or 
the message that I preach. Um, Paul says he's not ashamed. He tells of Oniphorus who's not ashamed. And I just think, again, back to this idea, we live in a culture that's trying to cancel us, trying to silence us, trying to turn the volume down on voices for righteousness and Jesus Christ and the gospel. And you know what? We mustn't allow that to happen. We need to be unashamed, unbowed. And I think this um, series will encourage pastors especially to do that, because that's what Second Timothy is. It's, it's Paul's rallying call to a young pastor who's a little timid, and in and of himself and intimidated by the culture. But it's a rallying call for us all. We need to stand up, stand up for Jesus because we're soldiers of the cross. Onward, Christian soldiers. And uh, thank you for being such a great leader, Pastor Philip. I love hearing you here on K-Praise, being able to chat with you couple of times each year and it just uh it, it's extra special for me to be able to talk to you once again before the christmas season and it's a true blessing for kindred community church to have you at the head well no likewise appreciate you and the station and our partnership with you and i i just trust that today's uh, broadcast is a blessing to more than a few merry christmas my friend Merry Christmas. God bless. Happy New Year. Noah here and across the county. Check it out. That's Know the Truth, ktt.org. It's on K-Praise, Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 7 a.m. with our friend, Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Some people don't think horses and people communicate. We call those people not horse people. Not horse people don't know you and your horse share a unique bond or that your horse knows you know they like your dogs. But not so much the barking. At Sentinel Horse Nutrition, we don't knock not horse people. We're too busy focusing on horse people's horses. With extruded nugget feeds for exceptional nutrition and formulas for every need, our wide choice of feeds makes it easy to find the fit for your horse's health. Find theirs at FeedSentinel.com.